It is indeed a pleasure to once again welcome you to the Journey Home Outreach Ministries Bible Study. This is Lesson 22 from the Messages of the Bible series. I am Elder Faye, your teacher for this series. This is just a reminder that these Bible studies are designed not only to tell the stories of the Bible, but also to reveal the messages for us within these stories. There are some amazing stories in the Bible, and we know most of them, but did we get a message from them that we can live by from day to day? So let me begin this Bible story by telling one of the most amazing stories in the Bible. One that almost escapes our understanding simply because we didn't pay enough attention to it in our Bible reading. If you have followed these Bible stories, you may have noticed that each one had two or three words we call focus points. When these words were heard, we knew that the messages from the lesson followed. Which brings us to the only focus of this Bible study, which is the whole armor of God. What does it mean to have your loins girded about with truth and have it on the breastplate of righteousness? And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Taking on the shield of faith. Taking on the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit. You'll get an in-depth explanation with much more detail on each one of these pieces of armor later on in the lesson. But right now we need to focus on what they are, why we need them, and how and when we should use them. To gain a better understanding of the story, let's first start with why we need to put on this armor of God that we hear our preachers and teachers talk so much about. So just so we can get a physical picture of armor, armor is what the Roman soldiers wore for protection when in battle or at war. We have seen movies of these soldiers wearing armor all over their bodies for protection. So just what is this war we find ourselves in? Where well, we need to wear the same kind of spiritual armor for protection. Why and when did this battle start? Let's listen closely as we learn about the war that started in heaven. <laughs> sort of shocking, isn't it? You may at this point be asking questions. Did a war really start in heaven? And just how we involved. So as always, let's go to the scriptures and find our answers. In Revelations, the 12th chapter, verse 7 through 9, it reads, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was there found place anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceived the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Some of our first knowledge of Satan is when he tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden. But just who is Satan? You know, Satan is often characterized as a red-horned, three-toothed, flying cartoon villain. No wonder people question whether Satan even exists. But his 
existence, however, is not based on fantasy. It is confirmed in the same book that tells the story of Jesus' encounter with this evil force here on earth, just as we are today. So take note how Jesus dealt with this evil force. In Matthew, the fourth chapter, the first to the eleventh verse says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest your foot be dashed against a stone. Jesus said, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up into the exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. If you notice in all these temptations, he was always able to, risk, to resist the devil by using the word of God. So these passages of scripture verifies that Satan is not the cartoon character he is often portrayed as. Your enemy the devil prowls uh, in, in 1 Peter the 5th chapter and the 8th verse tells us your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now that you have a better understanding of this war and why and why it happened, let's continue and get prepared for our part in this battle or this war. The first thing we must remember is found in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Let's listen at this closely because there was a king of Judah whose name was Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat received some disturbing news that there was coming against him a great multitude far beyond the sea to battle against him. And Jehoshaphat feared, and then set himself to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And all the cities of Judah gathered together to ask help of the Lord. Now I want you to take note here, because there is power in numbers. If we were gathered together one accord seeking the Lord for help with our problems, just think what it would do for our family problems, our community problems, and even our country's problems. But let's continue with the story. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judea and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord God of our Father, art not thy God in heaven? And rule not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathens? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Hmm. 
you know, it's okay to remind God who he is. It lets him know that you know him and his ultimate power. So God sent a message to King Jehoshaphat. Let's listen closer to God's answer. And he said, hearken, all you Judea, all you of Judea, hearken mean listen, you all Judah, and your inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat, thus said the Lord God unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great mother too. For the battle is not yours, it is God's. Now there is a valuable lesson for us here in Je Jehoshaphat's story. I tell you with conviction that fasting while seeking God's guidance is the most powerful thing you can do to come out victorious from whatever situation you find yourself in. So the armor of God we are to put on is for our protection and not for the bell itself. For the bell itself is not ours, but the Lord's. I want to point out to you that this war that started in heaven was not started with physical things like swords and guns, but with thoughts of deceitfulness of the mind. This bell we find ourselves in, involved in is not a physical bell, but it's a spiritual one. Our part in this war is more of a struggle, struggle rather than a fight. Because when we are committed to uplifting the gospel of Christ, we step right in the line of fire of this battle. Between good and evil, or if you prefer, between God and Satan. So keep in mind the bell is not ours so what must we do so what must we do as so we must do as what it says in Ephesians 6 chapter the 12th verse we must put on the whole arm of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles that mean the trickishness and the deceit of the devil for we wrestle not with flesh and blood this verse is so important in our relation in our relationship with each other also. Although it is our first intention, but we, but we should not lash back at those who lash out at us with unkind words because we are trying to live a Christian life. For we wrestle not with flesh and blood. We have to remember that when we're dealing with our, our with each other. Let's look at Luke, the 6th chapter, the 28th verse. It addresses how we should deal with this. It tells us that we should bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you or persecute you. Why? For we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There are six pieces of armor that we should always wear if we are to survive this battle. And it is essential that we know them, understand what they are, and how to use them. So have, after having done all we can do to stand, the first piece of armor we should use is stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth. What does that mean? 
Jesus prayed in John the 17th chapter, verse 17, for God to sanctify us. He says, sanctify them through that truth. That word is true. So our loins should be girded, that means bound and fitted with God's word. Having your loins girded is like having on a belt. Think of that. So you're wearing the belt of truth around that area. If you notice, we are attacked with lots of sickness in that area. That is the area from just under the breast to the area just below our hip area. And women are especially attacked in this area. So, stand on the truth of God's word. Standing on the truth of God's word is absolutely essential for believers if we are to stand successfully against Satan's attack in these areas. The second piece of armor is having on the breastplate of righteousness. Our protection against such attacks is the breastplate of righteousness, which simply means living moment by moment and honestly living in obedience to and believing in God's word with faith that he is going to do whatever he commands us to do. In Genesis the 15th chapter, the 6th verse, it speaks of Abraham, and he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So if we believe in the Lord and have faith in God's ability to do what he says that he is going to do, it is counted for us as righteousness. Just like it was counted for Abraham as righteousness. Okay. Our third piece of armor is having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means that for shoes, having your feet shod means dress. So for shoes, you should put on the peace that comes from the good news of the gospel of peace. So that we will be fully prepared. If you have carefully girded your loins with truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness, but does not properly dress our feet with the preparations of the gospel of peace, we are certain to stumble, fall, and suffer many defeats. That's why we often sing the song, we fall down, but we get up. That's because we are not quite prepared to stand against an attack in that area. Preparation for something is something that you have to train for. Means you, you you need training in that area. You're in you are in the line of fire, and Christ demands his disciples to be ready to stand, not fall. You need to be prepared to preach, teach, and testify to someone of the good news of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is a wonderful it's the wonderful truth that in Christ, we are now at peace with God and one with Him. When we wear the shoes of the good news of the gospel of peace, our feet are rooted firmly on solid grounds, and we stand in confidence of God's love for us, His union with us, and His commitment to fight not with us, but for us. Hallelujah. Our fourth piece of armor 
above all taking the shield of faith wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked the shield is a piece of armor that the soldiers holds out in front of him to stop the wicked to stop the wicked things the enemy throws at him before they reach the rest of the body the shield is added protection Satan throws many distractions, trials, and thoughts at us. Without the strength of, the, of faith, these can quickly overwhelm us to the point that we make, that it will make our thoughts turn to other, in other directions just to escape for a moment because we can't deal with the conflict. So we turn to things like drugs, alcohol, and any other device just to find some relief. That is what Paul meant in Galatians, the fifth chapter, the seventeenth verse, for the flesh lusted against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another, so that you could not do the things that you would. We conquer this by holding strong the shield of faith. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the sixteenth verse, Paul writes, above all things the shield of faith with which we will be able to quench all the fiery dots of the wicked one the fifth piece of armor that we should use it says and take the helmet of salvation you know a helmet is worn over the head to protect the error from damage and attack the mind and the emotions are the two areas where Satan most fiercely attack believes. He wants to cloud your mind with false doctrines, false principles, and all kinds of false information to mislead you. He desires to snatch the word of God from your minds and replace it with his own perverse ideas and undermine godly living and replace it with immortality, immorality, greed, envy, hate, and even other ungodly vices he can throw at us. His scheme is to, su to seduce us to become so accustomed to sin in us and around us that we no longer it, it no longer disturbs us. We can see that happening today. You know, we tolerate too much. We just sit back and say, well, it is what it is. What a bad attitude to take. Let's move on. In Ephesians the sixth chapter, the seventeenth verse, he said, Put on the salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Satan realizes that the only chance he had to win in this battle was to attack the minds of those who would protect and carry on the gospel of Christ. Paul tells us that Satan that Satan blows are directed at the believer's security and insurance in Christ. The most dangerous plan, Satan's plan of Satan's attack, is on, is on us is our discouragement and doubt to discourage us. He points to our failures, our sins, our unresolved problems, our poor health, or to whatever else seems negative in our lives. He wants us to lose confidence in the love and care of our Heavenly Father. 
Doubt is what brings about discouragement, including doubt about whether we are saved or not, which is the worst sort of discouragement for a believer. If a believer feels that he cannot depend on the promises of God's word, or if his, if his relationship to God seems uncertain, he has no grounds for hope and therefore no protection from discouragement and has no reason to stand strong and believe. That is why Paul called this piece of armor the helmet of salvation, meaning the hope of salvation. In First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, the eighth verse, he said, But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation, which is a sense of knowing that we are saved and have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Merciful God. Thank you, Lord. The last piece of armor is the sixth piece of armor, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In Ephesians the sixth chapter, the seventeenth verse, and he said, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is our spiritual weapon to be used in our struggle against spiritual and against spiritual enemies. The Holy Spirit is the source of the sword, where the source gets its power. As the Spirit of Truth in John the fourteenth chapter, the seventeenth verse, it said, "This is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive." Because it does not see him or know him. But he told us, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is the believer's indwelling truth teacher who teaches us all things and brings God's word to our remembrance so we'll always have it handy when we are attacked unexpectedly. We are in a war, a terrible and fierce war. But we have no reason to be afraid if we are on the Lord's side. In Ephesians 6, 6 chapter 11 verse says we are to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Satan is God's enemy, therefore he is our enemy. The only way he can attack God is through us. And we can be sure he will seek us out and attack us with the schemes, his craftiness, his cunning, and his deception. Another one of Satan's effective strategy, and one that puts a believer in the greatest danger, is the delusion that there is no seriously threatening conflict between good and evil in the invisible realm. The war between God and Satan, or good and evil if you prefer, has not d diminished, but intensified. And so has its visibility on the earth. I must conclude this Bible study as I started it with Ephesians the sixth chapter, the seventeenth verse, which says, Put on the whole arm of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles that mean the trickiness and the deceits of the devil, against powers and rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Until next time, I leave you with this blessing on your life. 
It comes from Numbers the sixth chapter, the twenty-fourth to the twenty-sixth verse. It says, "May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you, and may the Lord give you peace." Amen. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.